sorry, my name is Matt. If you're joining us here today, I'm the campus pastor here. And we are in week three of our series, Crazy Faith. We have been enjoying looking at what it means to follow Jesus, not just in the religious motions of life, but what does it look like to step out in big moments of faith and, and follow God beyond uh, what we see in front of us, to believe him for more. And we said that the journey of faith is one that we're all on uh, to some degree, whether you're a believer or not, or you're deciding how you feel about the Lord, and that's a step of faith that will, will be for you if you're not a believer, if you are a believer. Uh, what's God calling you to? That, that there's always things in front of us that God is drawing us towards, that status quo and staying put is not what the Lord has for you in your life. So I hope you've been enjoying this series. Uh, week one, we kicked off talking about what does it look like to have crazy faith, and we define crazy faith as this. Thoughts and actions that may seem unreasonable, but trusting fully in what you cannot explicitly prove. And we talked about uh, Noah and how Noah really stepped out in what would have seemed crazy. He built an ark that wasn't just a boat to survive a flood before anybody really knew what a flood was. It was also a floating zoo. Um, and if you were bold enough to build a floating zoo for most of your life and then get on it, most people thought you were crazy. And so what was crazy in one season all of a sudden became, what, faith in another, right? When it started raining, he wasn't crazy anymore. He was a man of great faith. And then we believe God has called all of us to be men and women of great faith as we follow him. However, you're probably not ready to go start a zoo that floats on the water to survive a flood yet. <laughs> Maybe we're not there in our faith yet, and we said that's okay. We get to back that up, and we said in week two that we're going to look at, and what we looked at was baby faith. That before you get to crazy faith, there's some steps that you have to take. And we define baby faith as this, the ability to trust God at his word. And just like a child, uh, before they understand the brokenness of the world, will believe anything their parents tell them. So they don't question whether you're going to have enough money to buy them ice cream. You just go and get them ice cream, and that's all they understand, right? And how we as adults sometimes have matured out of baby childlike faith, which God really says is the greatest, because it's humble, it's dependent, it's willing to trust God to be God and not us. And so while that's not a shamed place to be, it's the starting point of all of our faith. That if we're not willing to be dependent upon the Lord, God is going to continually uh, run us into brick walls that we might come back to a place of dependency and childlike faith. So that was week two. So maybe you've listened to the last couple of weeks and you've thought, all right, I want to start believing God. I want to start walking in faith. I want to start uh, believing God for more. And maybe you got some questions. I know as I started to follow God beyond um, really just the, the stale religious motions and started to believe God for more, I had a bunch of questions. And one of the big ones I had was, how do I know it's actually God? How do I know it's really God telling me to go do this? How do I know that what I'm praying for, because the word says that whatever you believe and ask in Jesus' name will be done, like how do I know that's actually going to be done? And so we can kind of hang in this tension sometimes of, okay, I want to believe, but how do I know for certain? And the answer is, you can't. You can't know for certain. You see, if you knew for certain that it was going to happen, it wouldn't require any faith from you. If you had all of the facts and you knew exactly how that bill was going to get paid, exactly how God was going to provide where you didn't think he was going to show up, it wouldn't be faith at all. And often what you'll find as you begin to follow Jesus is that God is going to bring you to the place where your understanding ends. Because faith begins where your understanding ends. If you knew what was going to happen, there's no faith there. So I don't have 100% certainty because I'm a human and I have limitations. And so God has brought me to places where I go, I don't know. But I got faith. 
because maybe I serve a God who's smarter than me. Maybe my limited mindset has stopped, but you know what? His hasn't. And praise be to God that I serve somebody smarter than myself. And all of you said amen. (laughs) But how often? When you come to the end of your understanding, you double down on your own understanding. You say, oh, that's crazy. (laughs) I'm going to go back to what's safe. I'm going to go back to what's comfortable. The word of God would call us to a place where when we come to the end of our understanding, our faith begins to get bolstered. See, what happens when God brings you to the edge of who you are or your capabilities is you discover this gap. Now, we all have this gap in our life, and it's the gap between where we are, our abilities, and the promises of God. So you believe and you see God's word that that promises these things and you see it out there and then you realize you're back here. And there will always be, if you're following Jesus, there will always be a gap between what you have currently and what you need to see all that God has to come to fruition. So maybe you feel called to something in particular, but you just don't feel like you're quite cut out for it. And I say that's by God's design. Why? Because if you had everything in your tool belt, you wouldn't need faith. You wouldn't need God. And you'd fall into the trap where I can become independent from God and I don't need him. You see, you all have a gap in your life. The question is, what are you filling the gap with? What are you filling the gap in your life between where you want to be and where you are? So maybe you feel that God has called you to something, uh, to live a certain financial life, and you really feel that God has promised you to not be in debt and not be in poverty. Well, probably what you're filling the gap with is a lot of hard work, grinding gears, and putting your nose down. So you're filling the gap with what you're good at. Maybe you feel like God's called you to a certain position or a job or something, and, and you spend all of your effort trying to fill the gap with networking. If I talk to this person, I'm going to get this person, right? There's so many things that you fill the gap with, and, and the Word of God says you need to fill that gap with faith. You need to fill that gap with the fact that there's an end to you, but not to the God that you serve. And if we could begin to fill the gap with faith, you'd probably wake up in the morning and go, Maybe it was God who got me this job, not my networking. Maybe it was God who sustained me through that very difficult season of life, not my willpower. Maybe it was God who empowered me to live a different life, not my pride and self-worth that made me make different choices. You begin to enter into this space of maybe. Maybe I don't have all that it takes. Maybe following Jesus means... I'm going to have to recognize I don't have all the answers. Now, that's tough. That's difficult for us. However, it is the way forward. What if maybe faith was your next step in your faith journey? Here's what I mean. We're going to read a couple stories out of the Bible today, one out of the New Testament, one out of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we're going to see the story of a man... His name's Abram. You're going to hear me call Abram Abraham. He gets renamed later on in his life. Um, I'm probably going to accidentally call them both names. That's fine. If you grew up in school, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons said Father Abraham. That's what we're talking about. All right? Context. All right? So, so here's the thing about Abraham. God tells him to do something absolutely crazy, but in the middle of the crazy ask, we're going to discover a type of faith that I believe is going to help you and help me and help the church move into all of the things that God has for us. So let's open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and let's look at this encounter. Genesis chapter 12, just a few pages into the Bible, says this. The Lord said to Abram, we're going to park right there, because you can read this and just buzz by it, but what's happening here, you need to understand the context. Abram has no idea who the Lord is. 
This is Genesis chapter 12. Israel is going to be established through this, but there's no Israel. There's no Bible. There's no uh, Jesus on earth. There's no cross. There is no context for who the Lord is to Abram. In fact, the book of Joshua tells us that Abram served uh, other gods. He was worshiping idols that his ancestors worshiped. And so here is a pagan man, no context for who Yahweh, the creator, nothing, no context, says, hey, you, and he begins to say something. Now, that's a little weird, but that's a little bigger than just, oh, I read something and I was encouraged by it. There's this voice out there telling Abram something. And I think what happens in our Christian faith sometimes is in moments of uncertainty, we can begin to label things as God when they're not really God. Oh, I felt like the Lord told me that that relationship was for me. It was a disaster from the beginning. God didn't call you to that. All that deal, man, I knew that that was where God was leading me. It didn't even line up biblically. So we have to be careful as we begin to walk in the faith that God has for us that we, we label carefully. We'll talk more about this next week. But in moments of uncertainty, and I, I see this in my own heart, I see this in the hearts of people all the time, we want to have some certainty, and so we'll call something from the Lord when it's really not of the Lord. We have to tread that carefully. We'll talk more about that next week. But, but here's a man, no context in who God is, and, and here's what God says to him. Go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make you a, your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, if you've heard this story a lot, don't let it be lost on you. What did he just say? <laughs> That this old man who has no context for who this God is, hey, you, leave everything you know, everyone you love, leave it all behind. I'm going to send you to a place that you don't even know where it is. Like he doesn't get the GPS coordinates put in his iPhone about where he's going, how long it's going to take, if there's any Starbucks on the way, like no context of how this is going to happen. Get up and go to a place I will show you. Like if I pulled up to your driveway and said, hey, get in, where are we going? Buckle up. Who's going to be there when we get there? Buckle up. Do we get Starbucks on the way? Buckle up, right? So what happens, though, is God jumps in the driver's seat of your life sometimes, and God says, buckle up. Like, yeah, but God, but how are you going to provide to the thing you're calling me to? Buckle up. Yeah, but, 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 but God, what about all the people I'm going to leave behind? Buckle up. See, we don't like that, though. When God doesn't give us the full picture, it, it brushes up against our need for security. It brushes up against our self-sufficiency. It brushes up against our need for control. But what does Abram do? Verse 4. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So Abram went. All right. I think that's crazy, but I'll go. And so he packed not only himself and his family, he dragged somebody else along with him in this crazy move of faith. And said, come on, I just heard from this God that I didn't know existed, and he promised us something great. Let's go. Now, did, it, did he know for sure that that was God? Could he be absolutely positively sure that that was God? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it was God. See, but he was confronted with some things of faith that, that you can easily skip over, but I think they're very important for us. Let's look back at verse 1. Here's what he was actually asking Abraham to do. He said, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. 
You see, he was asking him to take some big steps of faith. And the first step of faith was that it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to leave your country. Everything you've known, every way in which you've operated, the safety and security of uh, being in a, a known space. He says, faith is going to ask you to leave that, just like the yellow chair from week one. It's uncomfortable when God moves us out of those things. The next one was um, your people. He's asking Abraham to leave his social context, to leave his friends, to leave his relationships, to leave social security, to leave status quo. If the church could ever leave status quo of the people around us to begin to walk in the faith that God has us, we'd find that it's not only uncomfortable, but it would be unfamiliar for some of us. That faith in walking in the pursuit of Jesus is going to require you to step into some unfamiliar spaces, some places where your understanding ends. Faith begins. And the last thing he says is that you leave your father's household, which is um, a, a picture of both provision and protection. So you're going to have to leave behind where, however God has provided for you before, and you're also going to have to leave behind the context of protection, which is what we crave most. We talked about this back on Mother's Day, security. And God says, no, no, no. I'm going to require you to walk into a season that will require new provision for you. See, because how I provided for you before is not how I'm going to provide for you in the future. And that's one of our big hang-ups to faith. But I don't know how God's going to do it. You ever notice how Jesus never healed the same way twice? None of the miracles of Jesus were done the same way. And you know why that was? Because there's no formula to this. If I knew the formula to healing, I wouldn't have to go to Jesus for the healing. If I knew the formula on how God was going to do it, I would become dependent on the process rather than the person. And what can happen in our Christian walk, if we're not careful, is we can really like our comforts, and we can really like what's familiar, and we can really provide, or really like what we think has provided for us, the good life we have. And so when God calls us beyond that, we go, hmm, I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to step out on that. And God says, come here. There's no formula that works. It's a false formula that you think you're on right now. What you need is faith in me. And what happens is you can begin to put faith in the wrong things. You can begin to put faith in the what rather than the who. So some of us try to step out in faith in our life at one point, and then we met some major disappointments. You had faith that that house was your house, and then somebody else got the house instead of you. But I believed that was my house. See, what you did there, what I have done, is you begin to put faith on the house rather than the one who provides the house. And then you get disappointed. See, but if we could shift our faith off of the what onto the who, I don't have to worry about provision because I serve the God who provides all things. And so actually, if I'm willing to put my faith in Jesus, my faith is going to protect me from all those other things. See, God didn't let you get that house because he had another house in store for you over here. Your faith was actually working to protect you from your own wants. You see how that works? And here's what I, what I think to be true in Abraham's life. Abraham could not 100% know that that was God. I mean, how could you know that those promises are going to come true? But here's what was true of Abraham's life that I think could monumentally change your life and my life, is that we understood this, that faith is moving and allowing God to direct your steps. Abraham said, I don't know. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't even know where I'm going, but I'm going to start moving. I'm going to get up from complacency. I'm going to get up from what's comfortable. I'm going to get up from my patterns and routines and say, all right, God, I'll believe you here. 
And then I'm going to trust that as I begin to walk in faith, you are going to direct my steps. But here's what happens. You and I see the promises of God and we go, I see it. God, you got to pick me up and move me there. God, you you got to take me 100% there. And God's saying, no, no, no. What you need is baby faith. Let's go, let's go back to back. You need to trust me at my word and begin to take steps of trusting me. And when that happens, maybe God begins to direct you. No, no, no. For sure God begins to direct you. But where he begins to direct you is up to the creator of heaven and earth. So we define maybe faith as this for this week. Maybe faith is believing that it may be God until it proves to be God. Just like Abraham didn't know if it was 100% God, he was willing to believe that it may be God until it proved to be God. And you know what? You and I right now are proof. Because what happened from Abraham believing God for these promises was the nation of Israel was established, which is where Jesus came from, which is where your salvation came from. Why? Because one man said, maybe this was God, and I will begin to move and believe him and walk in faith. And here's what I want to be true of my life, that if God wants to do something through me, and I don't know for sure, I don't want him to ever be interrupted by my lack of faith. I don't want God to ever go, you know what, I wanted to do something through you, but you weren't even willing to believe me that it could happen. That happened in the Gospels. Jesus wanted to do miracles in his hometown, and he said, because of your lack of faith, I can't work here. So you know what? I don't know all of what God might do, but I want to position myself that he could do it through me. I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't, but it will not not happen because I was in the way. You see how Abraham was willing to say, you know what? I don't know if God is actually going to do this, but I'm sure going to give him a shot. I'm sure going to walk into that. And as I hear the story of Abraham and I look at my life and I look at the lives of really uh, the American church, I ask the question, why aren't more people living like Abraham? Because he had no context and yet he followed. And we have a whole book of context and yet we go, well, I don't know if that was him. I don't know if that's what he was calling me to. And I, I think as you wrestle through that question, what a lot of people are coming back with and well, that's just doubt. I just I have some doubt. And that's what's getting in the way of me following God. And it's not actually doubt. Now, doubt will get in your head. You begin to say, oh, I, I think God might do that, but I don't know. It didn't work out in the past. See, but that's okay. God can work with your doubt. God's not afraid of your doubt. I'm sure Abraham walking through the, the wilderness to wherever he was going was going, what in the world did I get myself into? Maybe this was crazy, right? You see this in the Israelites. They believed God for rescue and redemption from slavery in Egypt, and they start walking through the the wilderness going, I think we missed it. (laughs) I think we messed up. See, God can work with your doubt, but here's what gets in the way of your faith. It's not doubt. It's fear. The greatest obstacle to your faith journey is not doubt. It's fear. Because fear stands at the other side of, of doubt and or at the other side of faith and says, even if God could, I don't know if he will for me. Even if I believe it, I have all of these reservations, I have all of these insecurities, all of these fears begin to crowd out our ability to believe God for more. 
And in fact, this was a huge lesson that Jesus had to teach the disciples because Jesus, when he was done with his disciples and is done with his apprenticeship on earth, wanted them to be people of crazy faith. And so all throughout, he's, he's beginning to stretch their faith. And we talked about one of those last week. We're going to talk about another one this coming week. But the one today, really, Jesus sets up this tension of faith and fear and how they collide with each other. Go to Mark chapter 4. We're going to read the story. Let me give you some context on the story. So Jesus is working with his disciples. Uh, he sends them on a boat. He's on the boat with them this time. He won't be on the boat with them next week, but he's on the boat with them this time. And as they're going, they hit this massive storm. Well, the disciples, some of them were seasoned fishermen, spent their whole life on boats from the time they were kids on up. So very, very well trained in the boat. And they get out there on the water, and all of a sudden this storm hits. That's such a big storm that they start losing their mind. Right? The disciples are, are just losing their mind, and we're going to see in this story what Jesus does here. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So, so here's, here's what's happening. They're out in the middle of this storm, and the disciples, these seasoned men, are on the edge of the boat going, we're going to die, right? Like, they're screaming, they're running around, they're moving the mast, they are losing their mind on the boat. And we're looking for Jesus, and where's Jesus? Taking a nap like a champ. In the boat on a cushion, doing what all of you were going to do this Sunday afternoon. Just sleeping away. And the disciples are over here going, he doesn't care. What did they just say? Don't you care? No, let's go back. Don't you care if we drown? What is that? That's fear. And that's a fear that you and I understand well. See, sometimes when you step out in faith and you begin to follow God, it can almost feel like he called you out and then left you. See, these guys left everything that they had to follow Jesus. They stepped out in crazy faith to believe that this guy might be Jesus. They didn't even know he was really the God of the universe yet. They thought he was. They hoped he was, but they didn't know for sure. So they stepped out in maybe faith, and now they feel like God abandoned them. Anybody relate to that? Man, I thought that was God. It feels like you just totally left me out here. What is that? That's fear that if I follow you, you might leave me. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you see that? Jesus sets up this tension between faith and fear. They were terrified, still scared. And ask each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I, I picture this scene, and I don't know if this is how it went. I'm going to ask Jesus one day. But I picture Jesus sleeping, and he wakes up, and he sees them screaming, and he goes, be quiet, be still. Why are you a bunch of chickens going back to bed now, right? Like, that's just how I, I picture it going. But what happened in this boat is that they began to forget, or maybe they didn't realize it yet, that the guy in the boat was the one who made the winds and the waves. The guy in the same exact situation that they were, the same storm, the same trial, the same circumstance, was the very one who spoke those waters into existence in the first place. And they began to fear that maybe that God forgot to see them. They began to grow fearful of his character, to not be true and consistent all of the time. And Jesus simply steps up and says, <laughs> he speaks to the waves speaks to them and says, there's a tension in your heart 
in this tension is going to be the roadblock to you following me. See, Jesus sets up this dividing line in life, and I want you to see this. He sets up this dividing line in life in which he divides faith from fear. And he gives us a choice, and he gives the disciples a choice. He says, there is a dividing line in your pursuit of Jesus where you have to every day make the choice. Am I going to live in a place of fear? Am I going to think fearful thoughts? Am I going to really live a life consumed by fear? Or am I willing to cross the divide and begin to live a life of faith? This is the tension that Jesus has just set up. He said, there's a dividing line between followers of me and followers of the world. What happens as we spend our time in the world and people around us in it really, by and large, operates out of fear. Fear of death, fear of lack of provision, fear of social insecurities, fear of unrest, fear of lack of provision, all of those things. And so we're watching everybody live by fear around us, and then we read the Word of God, and we hear these sermons about faith, and we say, you know what, I want to begin to believe, God, I want to walk in baby faith, and what happens is you get here. And this is a turning point. What you have to decide, my understanding has come to an end. I don't know how God is going to do this. I don't know if God is going to do this, but I have to choose to believe God. Which, which leaves me to ask the question, how certain do you have to be to have faith in God? How certain do you have to be to really believe God for more? And I would say the word of God tells us it's faith at 51%. It doesn't have to be 75% sure before I begin to follow God. It doesn't have to be 99% sure before I begin to follow God. It's 1% over fear. That this 1% says, I have moved from operating out of fear to choosing to operate out of faith. But here's where you can't stand in the Christian walk. You don't get to stand on the line. Jesus, in the book of Revelation, rebukes this church and says, I'm spitting you out of my mouth because you are not useful for either. You're neither hot nor cold. You're not living in fear like the world, but you're not living in faith like he calls his people to. You're confusing to everybody and yourself because you say you believe in the God who could do all of these things, but you spend most of your time thinking over here. And God says, if you could begin to see this box as the most crippling side you could ever live on. Has anything good ever come out of fear? No, nothing. Here's what I've seen to be true in my life. My wife and I prayed for almost two years for a place to live and a house to live. And then we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And we had every app you could think of. And we were trying to fill that gap with hard work and trying to get into places before they opened up. And God just kept shutting door after door after door after door. Well, one Monday I'm driving back from the office and I'm just praying. Say, All right, God, I trust you. I know you're good. Take get your word. Uh, I've never been without a home in all the countries you've sent me to. I've always had a place to sleep, even if it was a concrete floor. I had a place to sleep. It's great. It's awesome. I trust you. I felt in that moment the Spirit speak to me and said, you're going to get a gift this week. I thought, all right, I believe that's a house. I'm just going to believe that that's what you're talking about. And I did something I don't normally do. I went home and told my wife. Whenever I feel like I hear those things from the Lord, I usually just kind of tuck them away in my heart, and I leave it there. But I said, Monday night, I said, hey, baby, I feel like God's going to give us a gift this week. Now, did I know in that moment that God was going to do it? Was I 100% sure that God was going to give us a gift? No, I wasn't. But here's what I did. I took my baby faith, and I moved out of a place of fear that God wouldn't provide into a place of believing that he could. And if he was willing, I wanted my faith to be in a place that if God wanted to do it, he could do it. 
that my lack of faith wasn't getting in the way. And you know what happened? Wednesday, I got a phone call from a friend. Hey, we, we bought this property. We really feel like you and Olivia are supposed to move into it. Would you, would you consider renting from us? All right, God. <laughs> I'll believe you. I'll, I'll move into faith. Thanks for answering my, my, my prayers. Two years, faith. God, oh, that's awesome. But you know what happened? <laughs> Wednesday evening, I pulled up my budgets and said, ooh, God met me there, but what about the bills? <laughs> God, you answered my faith, but whoa, I don't know how you're going to make this work now. <laughs> and isn't that true of our lives? We, God does something great. He answers the prayer, and you move into a place of faith, and then you get here and go, I need new provision. This is uncomfortable. This is unfamiliar, and your mind will begin to pull you back across the line into a place of fear. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty tired of coming back over here. I'm, I'm pretty tired. Now, here's the deal. You're probably facing some things, and you have some things in front of you that you're not sure that it's God. Now, there are promises in his word that can take us to 100%, but maybe you're believing God for a business. There's no promise in the scripture that God's going to make that business happen, so here's what you do. You hear from the word. You hear from the Lord. You take it to the word. Oh, God, I'm going to believe you at 51%. <laughs> I don't have a ton of faith, but if you give me 1% over, I'm willing to believe you. God, I don't, I don't know how you're going to give us a kid out of this situation. All the doctors have said all of these things. I don't know, God, but I'm going to believe your character, and I want to move to 51%. I want to move past the middle into faith. Here's my question for you as we go from here. Where are you going to rest your head at night? Because here's what's revealed to me in the story of Jesus and his disciples on the boat. They were in the same boat, in the same storm, in the same circumstances, with the same trials, and a few of them were losing their mind, and one of them was sleeping. And I think if we could begin to learn to put our, our pillow down and rest our hearts in a place of faith, that it may be God until it proves to be God, rather than, than putting our head where the disciples did. I'm so struck by that story. The same exact circumstances, one responded in fear, one responded in faith. And so where, where's your pillow going to rest at night? Could it be possibly in the place where God might do whatever God might do? How is he going to do it? I don't know. My understanding has ended, but his hasn't. I'm going to park myself in a place of faith that if God wants to do it, he could do it through me. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for meeting us in our doubt and not being afraid of it, but, but entering right into the doubt and proving yourself true, God. We thank you for the word of God, which has revealed your character to us, revealed your nature, that we have sure, confident signposts that we are headed in the right direction as we pursue you. Lord, I pray for every heart in this room that feels this constant tension between fear and and faith. God, I know time and time again that you have answered my prayers of faith and you have shown up in huge ways and I immediately begin to look back to Egypt wondering how you're going to provide again. God, I pray that our eyes would be fixed forward, that we would trust you in the unfamiliar. We'd trust you in the uncomfortable. We'd trust you for the new provision when you call us out beyond status quo. Lord, I pray that it would be true of every heart in this room, that, that we would move beyond what everybody else around us is doing and we'd follow you wholeheartedly. 
God, I pray that you would meet us at 49%, at 25%, and you'd carry us over to faith. I thank you for the testimony where one of your disciples said, Lord, help my unbelief. If that's true of anyone in here today, including myself, God, help our unbelief. Reveal to us the confident surety we can have in you. We love you, Lord, and praise you in Jesus' name.